The market doesn't joke around, so why would you? Get serious. Choose Tasty Trade. Tasty Trade gives you the tools you need to make smarter moves. Dig into data with advanced charting, track profit accurately with order chain trackers, see risk clearly with curve analysis, and trade with low-capped commissions, stocks, options, futures, and more. All on one platform. No wonder serious traders choose Tasty Trade. Join the club, genius. Tasty Trading is a registered broker-dealer and member of FINRA and SIPC. This is Squawk Pod. I'm CNBC producer Katie Kramer. Today on our podcast, is the U.S.-China trade deal on shaky ground? It's over! A top trade advisor to President Trump spooking the markets by casting doubt on the deal. China watcher Leland Miller joins us. So much anti-China sentiment is fueling up for the fall, both for the election, COVID anger. It's be very difficult for the president to stay aligned with this deal, to defend this deal, particularly when the Chinese aren't adhering to it. Apple overhauls the software that powers billions of devices around the world and redesigns the home screen on your iPhone. We'll hit all the news from Apple's virtual Worldwide Developers Conference. For those of us who live in Apple life, I think there's a lot of people looking forward to a lot of these features. And it's a whole new digital world. Online signatory app DocuSign has bumped United Airlines out of the NASDAQ 100. And just in the last few months, it has surpassed Ford in market cap. Why the CEO says the transformation has only just begun. We don't see someone after the pandemic going back and saying, you know, I want more paper. I want more manual processes. It's Tuesday, June 23rd, 2020. Squawk Pot begins right now. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Squawk Box here on CNBC. I'm Becky Quick, along with Joe Kernan and Andrew Ross Sorkin. Last night on Fox News, here's what happened. White House Trade Advisor Peter Navarro responded to a question about the China trade deal, saying it is, quote, over. Do you think that the president sort of, I mean, he obviously really wanted to hang on to this trade deal as much as possible, and he wanted them to make good on the promises because there had been progress made on that trade deal. But given everything that's happened and all the things you just listed, is that over? It's over. At that point, futures plunged about 400 points, but then they recovered after he later clarified his comments. He's saying that they had nothing to do with phase one trade deal, which continues, he says, to be in place. He said he was speaking to the, quote, lack of trust we now have with the Chinese Communist Party after they lied about the origins of the China virus and foisted a pandemic upon the world. President Trump also tweeting out, quote, the China trade deal is fully intact. Hopefully they will continue to live up to the terms of the agreement. But uh, if there is a lesson uh, in this wild ride overnight, it is that the move uh, is a good reminder of just how connected stocks are to what happens with China and how the rhetoric unto itself uh, can uh, can create its own crisis. We will get exclusive uh, new data, we should tell you, from Leland Miller uh, and the China Beige Book. Well, Leland Miller was already booked, which is weird. I mean, he was already coming yep. on, so it's good. You know, Navarro... Better to be, I, it, better you've to seen be him. lucky than good. Yeah, right. Well, Navarro, when, when he comes on here, he... he I mean, it's always hyperbolic sort of bloviating. I like him, and I, and I, I think he has influence. Uh, but we know he is a, he's the biggest China hawk, maybe not just in the administration, but maybe in the whole country. He's a big China hawk. So he's like, he was basically saying, it's over, it's over. You know, I, it almost reminds me of uh, like when you're in an argument or something with, with someone, it's over, and you, don't, you know, you're just bloviating. I, I don't even know if he was, if I had been the anchor uh, of that show, I might have said, you're saying that the phase one trade deal has been scuttled and is over. And I don't think we got that that follow up. And, and I think everybody else like Lighthizer just last week 
said everything's on track. The ag buys are on track. Everything's on track. I don't know about anything past phase one, but that Look, came out of nowhere. The problem is when you are coming on when right. you are coming on speaking for the administration, exactly. you have to be a little careful. And for the for President Trump to have to go back and right. then tweet a, a sort of a correction on that, <laughs> not a great situation. We've all gotten used to uh, probably talking and and saying things a little more off the cuff than we right. should. But this is just a reminder that these things do matter. President Trump had to come in and be the, watching, and that there right. are other sides walking. President Trump had to come in and, and be, be the, the adult in, and be the adult in the room. In this <laughs> right. case, he had to walk back. Right. The hyperbole on his Twitter account, his reasonable Twitter account, right. was, was where we saw some. <laughs> Let's welcome Leland Miller, China Beige Book International CEO. Leland, thanks for joining us. Let's get your comments on, uh, on the Navarro saga. And I'll just preface it with saying that, that we have seen, you know, dueling rhetoric from both sides, some of it pretty nutty uh, in terms of these, these accusations from China about where it came from, COVID, uh, even some of the stuff we've said over here that, that probably didn't sit too well with, with China. Would you say that, that at least phase one of the trade deal is so important to both countries that even with all of this heated rhetoric, it's unlikely that it's going to be scuttled? Is that, is that a fair assessment? Yeah, you know, I'm I'm not there actually. You know, the about six weeks ago, I started talking about the fact that that phase one is 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 dead man walking, uh, because as important as farm purchases and other commodity purchases are for the president, it's just clear that at this point. So much anti-China sentiment is fueling up for the fall, both for the election and around what Congress's anger and around post-COVID anger or COVID anger. Uh, it's going to be very difficult for the president to stay aligned with this deal, to defend this deal, particularly when the Chinese aren't adhering to it. So uh, I don't think that the time for the deal uh, to fail is yet, but I think it's going to be extremely difficult for the president to, to keep with phase one through the election. Uh, it's just Navarro's not not the messenger uh, for its death knell quite yet. Sounds like... You just said Navarro's right. Navarro, I think Navarro will be right. I think Navarro jumped the gun because the, the president's not there. I think most people in the White House, if you asked them, uh, don't think that this, this deal can, can last through the fall because of the politics around the election. Uh, but I think that right now, the Navarro jumped the gun because at this point, only one person's opinion on this matters. It's the president. He's not uh, yet willing to walk away from what could be a summer of I, soybean I, buying. Leland, I thought in your view and in many people's view, it was such a tepid first step anyway. It, it, nothing was really decided upon. Upon. So what what part would be not acted upon? The, the, the ag buys aren't going to come through? Well, the deal was always very difficult to achieve from, from, from the very beginning, very bold targets. But post-COVID, the deal itself, the targets embedded in there are impossible to, to adhere to. What they could see is uh, certain ag targets hit, certain ag targets exceeded, in particularly politically important ones. You know, again, soybean, wheat, corn, some of these, uh, some of these targets. They're important to the president. Uh, the president doesn't yet want to walk away from this deal, where he, where he thinks he, he, you know, he 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 made a big difference. So, so you do see the the rhetoric on both sides taking, uh, you know, taking its toll. And and I think you're also pointing out that it could be a. Uh, on both sides, both Biden, uh, Vice President Biden and President Trump, that could be a, a point of where they're, they're going to try and snipe at each other about it. I mean, the president's going to say that Biden's too soft on China. He's got a history of being soft on China. I don't, uh, and, and I guess uh, um, Vice President Biden will have his own uh, counterpunch to that. And this is going to be a political football during the election. 
Absolutely. You know, the, the issue of China is so tied into the issue of COVID and the COVID recovery because of the fact that that the virus came from China, they're now one big issue. But, you know, assuming it's 1A and 1B, this is what the election is going to be run on, these issues. And the fact that, uh, that the fact that the president sort of opened himself up to a deal that's not working is going to be is going to be fresh meat for Biden. So I'd expect this to get very, very aggressive on China. OK. All right, Leland. Thank you. We'll, we'll have you back, talk more, and, and we'll be watching it. The election's not that far off. I don't know if you realize that. Uh, we're all sitting here. We don't know what day it is, much, much less what month it is. But November is coming. Winter's coming. Winter's coming. Yeah. Apple making news at its developers conference yesterday. The company says that its future Macs will use chips that are made by Apple instead of by Intel. Apple had been using Intel chips in its Macs for the last 15 years, but the company now says that its own chips will provide more performance while using less power. The Mac has had three major transitions in its history. The move to PowerPC, the transition to Mac OS X, and the move to Intel. And now it's time for a huge leap forward for the Mac. Because today is the day we're announcing that the Mac is transitioning to our own Apple Silicon. Apple also announced some new software changes for the iPhone. It says that the new operating system will redesign the home screen, adding widgets and a new sorting system for apps. It will also include picture-in-picture that will let you watch videos in tiny windows that floats over the rest of your screen. Apple's also rolling out a Translate app that will allow real-time translation between two people speaking different languages. It will initially support 11 languages. And you will soon be able to unlock and start your car from your iPhone, but only one car will be supported at the launch, the 2021 BMW 5 Series. Apple shares, if you've been watching, are up this morning by about one and a third percent. You've seen the steady climb all through this pandemic as this has been one of the stay-at-home trades that people have been watching. A lot of big news there. I, I think that Translate app is, is incredibly cool, but Andrew, maybe the most important part is this idea that they're going to be creating their own, uh, their own hardware, their own chips to run their, the, the, right. the Macs that goes with this, because that's just another form of control. They can upgrade the the chips at any point when they have something new that they want to roll out on some of these issues. And it's just a way for them to get more control of the entire sphere. Look, you know me. I watched it. I watched it. I watched it as it was coming yesterday. I loved all of it because that's who I am. And it just it, I don't know what kind of magic spell they put over you. I, the chips are, are probably the biggest thing long term in ter- terms of the next 10 years in terms of what they're able to do. The software, I think, is going to have a huge impact in terms of making this a super cycle insofar as people are going to ultimately want to upgrade their phones in part because I imagine the phone's going to need to be a little bit faster to run some of these things. The features themselves, for those of us on Apple, are very cool. We should say that if you're on an Android, you're looking at this saying, you know, uh, you know welcome to 2014, because a lot of these features had already <laughs> existed in many other, in many other of the, the platforms before. But for those of us who, who live in Apple life, um, I think there's a lot of people looking forward to a lot of these features. So, it, 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 you say if, if you are an Android, you won't, let, it, or, or if you're on Android. What did you? I, I missed that. What, did you if, say, you're, if you're an if on, you're Android, on Android, look, oh, oh, I'm not okay. going to knock Apple because you know user. I just uh, right. I like this stuff too much. So, Android, a lot of the features like the are on the Google yeah. Android okay. service. So, if you like widgets, if you like all of the, the the cool little fun things, the translation feature that Becky was talking about. Great feature. It's been on Android for quite some time. So that's, you know, there'll be the haters on this side. There'll be the lovers on this side. And and here we are. I thought about that language thing. That might work for us Uh, when you're talking 
And, or when I'm talking, <laughs> if uh, I might be able to understand what the hell you're saying oh. half the time. And I'm still dealing with the uh, the plant-based meat. It just is it meat? Is it meat? What? I, or here, I need to do it. Is it? It can meat? be meaty. But is it it's meat? meaty? It's if it's based from plant. Here's the thing. It's not meat. Yeah. Okay, there's a veggie burger is not meat. It's a veggie burger. There's a no. there's a hamburger that you get from a cow, which is meat. What is a plant-based yes. meat burger? Do you know, Sorkin, and, and were you serving those Friday night? If I had been able to, if you hadn't given me, you messed up a couple of numbers on the, uh, you gave me a four-number address. It was, you actually have a one-number address, which I'm not surprised that a guy like you would have a, like, you know, out there in the Hamptons on those, those really nice streets. What ha- have you had? Not in the Hamptons. I know. I, where in the world is uh, uh, Andrew Russell? No. Um, so can right. you tell me, is it a meat burger? What is, what is that? What's a plant-based meat? We know what it is. Are we you know seriously it's, confused? Is there a new world? Are you is seriously there, confused? It, no. And you're going to be with these people no, who say you can't call it meat because it's not meat? Right. Right. That's what I'm saying. We need a new word for it. I think. Because plant-based meat is a jumbo shrimp. It's a good government. It's ethical lawyer. It's any of those things. It, it just doesn't... Too confusing. Uh, you can't get your head around this. No, I can't get my head around it. it. And it's early. The fake meat battle is heating up. Impossible Foods just landing a landmark deal. Aditi Roy joins us with the details. Aditi, what's the beef? <laughs> Hi there, Becky. Starbucks just announced that it's adding the Impossible Breakfast Sandwich to its menu. It's the first time the coffee giant is extending its plant-based menu into food, at least in U.S. stores, and it's a huge win for Impossible in its competition with Beyond Meat. Beyond Meat shares are pretty flat this morning, but in the green, Beyond and Impossible have been going head-to-head, nabbing restaurant chain partnerships, and earlier this year, that competition extended into breakfast. Beyond's breakfast products are already at Dunkin' Donuts, Carl's Jr., Hardee's, and Starbucks Canada stores. Impossible Foods just rolled out the Impossible Crisp Sandwich nationwide last week at 7,500 Burger King stores. By adding Starbucks and its 15,000 U.S. cafes to its portfolio, Impossible is tripling the number of eateries carrying its breakfast products. While that's a hefty win for Impossible, it's also diluted by the fact that most eateries around the country are operating under capacity because of social distancing. You may also remember how last year Impossible faced supply issues. This time around, the company says it has a partnership with a big co-manufacturer and it has ample capacity to ramp up. Becky? Hey, Aditi, I'm just thinking uh, about the news that we've heard recently about Tyson and other of the the chicken and the beef producers, how they've had trouble in some of their plants um, and, and actually had these uh, coronavirus cases that have spread pretty rampantly. Mm-hmm. You don't hear that w- with any of these uh, Beyond Meats or Impossible Burgers or anything. What, what, what is production like for these places? Is it because they're, they're, they're done differently and can socially distance more? Yeah, they can. And they actually do make a point of that. I've actually been to an Impossible Foods factory, and it is very different from the pictures I've seen of a traditional meatpacking place. There are actually very few humans in there. Uh, there's a lot of automation uh, happening in there, and you just you just don't have as much contact, and people are definitely spaced out more, even naturally under normal circumstances, uh, certainly not uh, during a pandemic.
Also, uh, just from the perspective of, of trying to be in retail and, and, and kind of wondering how things have changed as we've gone through social distancing and the closures of so yeah. many of these different places, how have they done just in terms of consumers going to the grocery store? And uh, how, how do you think that will play out? Have the patterns changed during the lockdown? And do they anticipate they will change again once more of these stores open up, restaurants? Yeah. They certainly have, you know, during Beyond's last earnings call, CEO Ethan Brown um, guided to investors and warned them that the rollout to these these partnerships with the restaurants, these uh, restaurant chains, um, will be slowed down because of the pandemic. And they are going to be shifting some of their resources that went into food service into the retail sector. Um, and last week, you know, they mentioned these rolled out these value packs, Beyond did. And in doing so, they actually shifted some of the capacity that had gone towards food service into retail. Every week we get these re Nielsen numbers of grocery stores and what they're selling and fresh alternative meat products are always at the top of the list. They're seeing about 200 percent increase in growth in grocery sales since the pandemic erupted. So there's definitely an opportunity there for these alternative protein companies. Aditi, thank you. Great to see you today. Next on Squawk Pod, sign me up. Digitally, that is. DocuSign, the stay-at-home stock, up nearly 130% this year, has no plans to stay home when customers go back to work. The CEO on why more and more businesses are going paperless with his platform. Once they've got the benefits from that efficiency in their business, the better customer experience and the better employee experience, they're going to stay in, in a digitally transformed world. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. This is Squawk Pod from CNBC. Here's Joe Kernan. The pandemic accelerating uh, the worldwide economy's digital transformation. DocuSign, a clear beneficiary. Just like the name suggests, the company helps people sign contracts and agreements electronically. DocuSign stock, uh, which is part of Jim Cramer's uh, COVID-19 index, has more than doubled in value this year, giving the company a market cap of more than $30 billion. That's bigger than Ford. Uh, and yesterday... DocuSign replaced United Airlines in the NASDAQ 100. Joining us to talk about uh, business during the pandemic and much more is DocuSign CEO Dan Springer. Dan, it's great to have you. I, I, I wish that wasn't such a strong uh, metaphor or allegory, whatever you want to call it. You're replacing United. It makes so much sense. Uh, it, it uh, you know, in terms of the pandemic, one company so hard hit. And, and then as far as your company, almost the poster child for what Kramer and, and the rest of us uh, talk about uh, in this stay-at-home world. It's like almost custom-made for that environment, I guess. Yeah, well, you know, we've been really pleased about the growth we've had, you know, since going public a few years ago. And we have, as we talked about our last earnings call, seen some acceleration, as you mentioned, uh, from some of the COVID-19 pandemic. It's obviously a, a horrible pandemic, and our, our number one priority has been the health of uh, and well-being of our employees so we can take good care of our customers. Uh, but as you saw in our last uh, earnings, our Q1 earnings, we did see an acceleration of our bookings uh, to 59%. Traditionally, if you look at the billings type metrics, they've been uh, in the mid-30s. So a significant portion of that we think was due 
to increase use cases from customers driving, as you said, that digital transformation faster, accelerating that faster with services like DocuSign. 59%. I mean, all the numbers are, are you know, in the stratosphere. And, and when we look at the stock market, it's up again today, and people say Fed, Fed, Fed. Um, it's not Fed with a lot of companies. And, and, and with your company and uh, with many others, it, it just seems so particularly well-suited to this new environment. Can, what does the future look like for you? I, I like it. I use DocuSign. I, I may never have to go uh, remote or leave my house to go to a place to find a notary and do all those horrible things to, 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 to you know, it, it makes it so much simpler that even without the pandemic, I don't see how we ever go back to business as usual, even after this, if there is an after. I think you're right. I think one of the things that we've seen with the, the pandemic impact, it's really accelerated the path that companies were already on to drive that digital transformation you referred to earlier. We don't see someone after of the pandemic, and we hope that's soon, of course, after that settles down, going back and saying, you know, I want more paper, I want more manual processes. Once they've got the benefits from that efficiency in their business, the better customer experience and the better employee experience, um, they're going to stay in, in a digitally transformed world, and they're going to use DocuSign and other, you know, fantastic services to do that. We really think that the, the future is going to have a signature at the center of what we call the overall agreement cloud. So companies want to be more agreeable. They want to be easier to do business with and easier to do business for. So they're going to not just use DocuSign for signature, but all the other components of preparing agreements and managing those agreements digitally once they've been created. And that's why we're excited about uh, our very robust future. Could I factor out exponential growth all the way five years from now? I'm, I'm wondering, what, what, is the, what are the new businesses that, that can come from from where you are right now? What, what are you working on that, that would transform even what we think of for what DocuSign does now? What are you working on that, that we can Let me give you a couple of examples that might give you some color on why we see that, that very you know, rosy growth uh, perspective going forward. But the first thing is you talked about a signature, which a lot of people think of as a more mature business because DocuSign has such a strong leadership. But we went public a couple of years ago. We talked about this sort of $25 billion TAM we saw there, and we just passed a billion dollars of revenue. So we're only 4% uh, you know, penetrated today, and we're six times larger than the next biggest player in the space. So there's just not a lot of penetration yet on that core business. You mentioned Notary a second ago, which is a great example. Notary, of course, is still fundamentally still done manually, and people are visiting people's homes or going into you know, centers where people have a notary capability. We're making investments there where we believe we can bring that, the same ease of use we brought to your signature, we can bring to Notary. And then much bigger than that, even expanding upon the opportunity signature is that broader agreement cloud opportunity. We think this is the next big cloud opportunity, and you're going to see companies increasingly say, I don't just want to do the workflow and the signature. I want to drive the creation of those agreements. I want to think about the artificial intelligence and search capability I put to manage my agreement so I can actually run my business and make my company a more agreeable company to do business with by leveraging DocuSign. Those are some of the investments we're making. That's why we just finished the acquisition of SEAL software last month, so we could bring additional artificial intelligence and analytic capability to help people run their businesses better. So the, the open source catalog that, that you recently, what, how positive will that be? How much could, could that add incrementally if, if it's developed by you know, people out in the developer community? 
Yeah, for dietitians. I think it's a significant opportunity. In a SaaS world, sort of interoperability is key. And one of the things a lot of people don't realize, but almost 60% of all DocuSign transactions occur not because someone has gone and logged into our award-winning web portal or our mobile application. They actually built API calls, and they're just automatically generated by their other systems. So we're integrated with all the key SaaS software systems, whether that's Salesforce.com, whether that's SuccessFactors owned by SAP. Those companies have integrated their software into DocuSign so our end joint customers can have a better experience. And so building this sort of open source approach says, let's let even more people develop great APIs and encourage that interoperability of the systems. $30 billion. I mean, it, even for, for you, I'm sure you thought, wow, I'm at a great place. But any in your wildest dreams, did you think by uh, at this point in time that, that you'd have that kind of market cap? Well, I've been super bullish uh, on the opportunity at DocuSign. And from the beginning when I joined, I said this is going to be one of the next big and important software companies. So I did see the opportunity for the greatness. If you had asked me to put a market cap valuation at this point in time, uh, I probably would have been uh, not quite this uh, this high. Uh, as you said, it's been uh, phenomenal. But, you know, I kind of live leave that sort of expertise uh, for folks like yourself to, to be pundits on the market. Oh, don't leave it to just us. Just trying to focus on driving our customer success. All right. And... Um I mean, everything is, is surging, obviously, but what about profitability? Well, we actually have the same perspective we had uh, for the last few years. We put together a model, uh, sort of a, a long-term model of uh, just 20 25% operating profit, and that's where we thought we'd be, while maintaining our very high growth rates. I'm talking about long-term after we've slowed down, but while still at the robust growth levels. And we've had you know, manageable uh, efforts to do that, and we've had significant uh, success each year since we've been public and moving towards that. We're on track uh, this year with the guidance we just released to continue to have even higher growth as we raised our guidance, but also maintain that same path to profitability uh, or to that high level of profitability. Uh, So I don't think we see that's going to be a challenge. I think the scale is going to naturally create that 20 to 25% operating margin while we're continuing to grow at a high rate. All right, great. Dan, thank you. Squawk Pod will be right back. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. FedEx Ground service is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively, FedEx. Support for this program is provided by Chevron. Methane management is a critical part of achieving a lower carbon future. Chevron is taking action to keep methane in the pipe. Their 2028 upstream methane intensity target is set to be 53% below the 2016 baseline. They're committed to evolving facility designs and operating practices. And they've trialed over 13 advanced detection technologies, including drones and satellites. That's energy in progress. Learn more at chevron.com methane. And that's Squawk Pod for today. Thank you for listening. Squawk Box is hosted by Joe Kernan, Becky Quick, and Andrew Ross Sorkin. Tune in weekday mornings on CNBC at 6 a.m. Eastern. Subscribe to and share Squawk Pod. Leave us a rating or review on your favorite podcast platform. And have a suggestion or a comment? Tweet us at Squawk CNBC. We'll meet you back here tomorrow. 
This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. FedEx Ground service is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively, FedEx. 